following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Ming's not unbeatable. With all his men, he couldn't even kill Flash. Gordon's alive! Welcome to Flash Gordon Minute, presenting your hosts... From Minute of Darkness and the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast, Brad. And introducing your intrepid explorer of Planet Mongo, Eric. We are at Minute 53 of Flash Gordon Minute. Eric, how are you? I'm actually feeling really awesome today because the true star of the movie, Brad, is back in this minute. The (laughs) moving walkway. Yes, yes, the the moving walkway. It is... uh inspiration to airports everywhere uh it's another great episode another great minute with our fantastic guest he's been with us all week from dog hair the dog hair network we have the excellent rory spence who's just been bringing it all week rory how are you i'm good i'm good how are you been a lot of fun having you with us and uh gosh what what time is it now as we're recording and uh pulling the curtain it is at 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time for Eric and I, so it's uh, past my bedtime, but uh, you know we, we do it all for you. What time is it for you, Rory? <laughs> 3 a.m. Friday morning here. Sweet, fancy Moses. <laughs> we appreciate it. And uh, <laughs> we, we've had a couple of people from uh, overseas join us, and uh, I, I'm always so appreciative that uh, willing to, 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 to stay up late. And uh, thank you so much, and thank you for bringing it. Because uh, it makes our lives a lot easier when we have great <laughs> guests uh, who have something to contribute. Uh, well, as I said, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here talking about this amazing movie. What do you remember about your introduction to Flash Gordon? So I anticipated that question, and I've been thinking about it, uh, knowing it was coming on. And I, I really can't remember being introduced to this movie. It's one of those ones that's just, it's just been there. So I was born in the 90s, early 90s. And uh, it's just, yeah, it's just always like either been on TV or I've been watching it somehow. And I, just, I really don't remember. I remember watching it quite often as a child and then as I got older, realizing how much I loved it. But I don't remember that first time, to be honest. I think one of the Batman guys, um, who was also from uh, re- recording from England, mentioned that there's a, a holiday. In England, where... I just stop it. I'm from Scotland. <laughs> Brad, it's the U- there's the UK. Let's, yeah. do, let's do a geopolitical... Uh, <laughs> okay. Let me see if I get this right. There's England, Wales, Scotland, and Northern Ireland yep. is, is, is the UK. Yes. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> Four countries within a country. Right. Yeah, it's confusing. I know. But... Well, I just mentioned that... There... The other guest was from England, but just mentioned that I think there was a UK holiday or where the, like the BBC would play Flash Gordon on this holiday all the time. It was like almost a tradition to watch Flash Gordon on whatever. It was probably around Christmas time, Christmas or New Year's Day is usually when yeah, the BBC plays a lot of, of films. So Yeah, I can't remember a specific one. It may be Christmas Eve or something. I can't think of a specific day that it would be on. Well, you know what? Flash is sometimes dressed up like a bit of a Christmas tree, so there is a holiday <laughs> spirit. Yeah, that's always a good time. BBC just plays good films. All the old TV stations are around that time. 
right, so uh, Eric, we're at minute 53. Uh, you know, we have the walkway, the, the moving walkway. And plus, I, you see, when you start saying how the true star, I thought you were talking about our flank. Our friend Clytus is back. and uh, Oh, yeah, well, he is, but, you know, the moving walkway. Come on. You know how excited <laughs> I am about that. You just lose your mind at the airport. <laughs> <laughs> You're like Steve Martin and uh, the jerk is like when he sees himself in the telephone book. He's like, I am somebody. He's like, I'm on the walkway. <laughs> it's Jerry Seinfeld that said these should be everywhere. I think you're right. He that was a, a Seinfeld bit about how they. They should be. <laughs> I, yeah, I believe it or not, folks. I've had this conversation recently. I'm not sure if it was on this show or where it was, but I was like, "How come this hasn't gone further places?" Because uh, you know, I've been to a mall, you know, malls or stuff like that. It's like hey, this, this this could use a standing walkway. What? I think the decision was made during the conversation. Like they don't want a standing walkway. In a mall because they actually want you to stop and look in all the stores. Uh, yeah. I've never even seen one like at a train station, which would be the next logical step, I think, from airport. Yeah, there's one. There's one subway station I know of here in New York City that has that has one. Hmm. Oh, really? Which one's that? Uh, it's in it's in Queens. Um, there's a really long connection from the R train that you can make to the E train uh, in Long Island City. And there's a walkway there. Uh, I've learned something. It's been... Uh, I'm trying to think if I've ever been in Queens. My trips to New York are infrequent and usually Broadway-based. So, uh, very cool. So, so, Eric, walk us through this minute. Well, you know, Zarkov had all these things, but he had no real plan or anything like that. And I think, once again, we have a character who simply has no plan. Dale kills some guards. She starts running around. If Zarkov had not found her, what exactly was Dale's plan after she broke out of Ming's harem room? I, I don't think she had any... I think she was just running around hoping to figure something out. She had no plan. No, she's not thought this through. It's, I mean, aside from possibly killing the entire population of Mongo, which it looks like she could do. Um, but yeah, there's no, I'm going to get a ship or I'm going to do this or that. She has no idea where she is, how to get out. If there's a vehicle that she could use... If she would even know how to drive, you know, like drive something like that. So, uh, yeah, she's just sort of, she just really didn't want to stop Ming. So, uh, as we say as well, she she put her, her shoes back on, so she's not expecting another fight, obviously. <laughs> now, something that was called out yesterday, Zarkov is with Dale. The bad guys, led by Clyster, they hear every word they say. And Zarkov uh, is able to communicate I mean, pardon me, Ming is able, uh, is able to communicate with Zarkov. This is where it really doesn't make sense, like, how it... Because it, it doesn't seem like there's any sort of communication or anything. He just basically, they hit a button there, say, you know, go do this. And Zarkov sort of tilts his head a little bit, and then he's like, oh, I, I know a way to get out. Yeah. I, I want, I desperately want to know, and I, I'm trying to think. I don't, I don't remember there being anything later that addresses how the communication happened or showed Zarkov being able to turn it off. Because it really looks like the treatment he got earlier in the film was what implanted the communication. But am I forgetting anything? Was there anything ever done to undo whatever treatment was done? Later, spoiler alert, we find out that Zarkov's playing possum. It, it really doesn't make sense. Well, maybe that uh, keyboard thing's like the old speak and spell toy from back in the 80s, you know? <laughs> that would be awesome if there just was a speak and spell. <laughs> 
I, uh, God, I, I remember whenever you see, like, a really, really cheaply done movie that's trying to be sci-fi, you know, stuff like, almost like, almost looked like a, it was, like, home project, and it's like, all right, we're gonna, or, or old uh, TV science fiction where the way they would indicate that you were in the future is they took a telephone, like an old corded telephone, and they just would paint it silver, take the cord off, and hold the receiver upside down to make it look really futuristic. So it would be great if there was like a speaking spell. It's like, just paint it silver and put it on there. It's like, okay, we're, we're living in the future. We have the introduction. Ming comes back, makes a grand entrance. And the film work and the camera work is so good because they shoot him low to, yeah. to, to really just give him a lot of height and a lot of power. And it struck me that this was the first time I felt that Ming looked ticked off in this movie and seemed a little out of sorts. He shows up, he's flailing about, he's really angry, and this was a new look for Ming. Yeah, he's he's frazzled. He is definitely frazzled. The way he walks in the room, he looks like he's going to walk in and punch somebody. He looks <laughs> yeah. like ready to fight. Yeah, and uh, he, yeah, he, that's what he looks like. And by the way, well, it'd be a weird fight because you know anybody that he takes a swing at can't fight back. I wouldn't like to see him take a swing at Clytus. Break his hand. Oh yeah, you just land one on that iron, uh, that, that that metal face. Um, and Clytus is pretty aware and pretty calm, and it's actually something impressive. Where Clytus was uh, obviously surprised to find that, Gor- that Gordon's alive. But he recovers very quickly, and he's using this. You see the seeds where he's using this as an opportunity to get what he wants. And uh, it, it, in this scene, Clytus is playing chess, and Ming's playing checkers. Well, and he has such a great line here too, where you know, I need your authority to pursue them my way. You know what? Just everyone knows what that means. You know, great line. Yeah. Another thing, or obviously the movie went in a different direction. Be great if my way was like him in the next scene, like talking to someone's like, "Please, come on, just please tell me." I just, <laughs> I thought, <laughs> I thought you were gonna say he broke into song, a Frank Sinatra song. <laughs> <laughs> Either would be acceptable, but it was just like, it's like, I'm gonna do it my way, and he's like, hey, "Come on, please, come on, I just need to know." <laughs> Whiny Clytus would be awesome. Just just an alternative take. Don't really want it in a movie, but just like uh, if they got, uh, you know, some, if they had gotten him to host SNL and like, there's Whiny Clytus. <laughs> uh, so I also, uh, you know, so, so Ming, he's trying to regain his cool. He basically storms out and, uh, I, I I want to see who else caught this. Sort of the what Clytus ends this scene on, and he's doing something that uh, is a callback. Eric, what did you what 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 popped out at you that Clytus was up to again? The handkerchief sniff. He was huffing. <laughs> <laughs> Love the handkerchief sniff. Love it. There's no purpose to get really given for it. It would have been great if it would have been something. Remind refresh my memory. Now is that the same handkerchief from before? Uh... I, I, it looks like it. I think that one was a black one too, right? I think you're right. Yeah, I think it's the same one. So maybe he just keeps one handkerchief in his pocket with him to sniff when he's <laughs> feeling particularly evil. <laughs> it would have been great if it had been something that uh, we had seen Aura drop. And he's just like him. Just... <laughs> 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 it's real creepy. 
yeah, him just trying to like sniff aura at all times, but uh, I, I don't think that's the case. He just really, he just loves sniffing that handkerchief. <laughs> By the way, handkerchiefs. Uh, I, I, I don't think this movie came out in 1980. Was filmed probably a year ahead of that. And I'm trying to think when handkerchiefs really went out of style because uh, I have never carried a handkerchief. Anybody ever carried a handkerchief? I've carried handkerchiefs. Do wow. Yeah. Okay, hold on now because <laughs> <laughs> I I tell tell me why because I view them as as a petri dish basically. <laughs> well, yeah, they are, but uh, <laughs> they're kind of no worse than like not having a handkerchief. Like, well, they are; they're much better than not having a handkerchief, and a bit like tissues. Like, they're fine if you're next to a bin where you can dispose of a tissue immediately. But you usually can't dispose of a tissue immediately. And at least a handkerchief, you can fold it in a way that is hygienic and put it back in your pocket. A tissue, you're going to crunch it in a bowl and put it somewhere. That's very true. And uh, I, I certainly have had many cases where it's cold season or whatever, and I doing the wash, getting the clothes out of the laundry is like, oh, okay, and three pairs of jeans all have now destroyed yeah. uh, tissue in, in the pockets because I forgot to, to, like, dig close enough, which is insane because, you know, how else are you going to find spare change unless you go through the pockets? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I've certainly done that. Is, how, how common is that in in, uh, in, in the UK? Uh, it's not. It's <laughs> something I do. Pretty much. It's, I'm a bit of a weirdo. Uh, it's, it's not it's not common it's probably about as common as as in the united states i imagine but the also the other point is if you've got one on you and for some reason someone is crying and you pull a handkerchief out your pocket and hand it to them you look like the coolest person in the world how often's that happened <laughs> i mean not often but if it does but it has happened yeah okay okay i've i've been in a position to hand someone a handkerchief when they've been crying was it? Did you use that opportunity then to get the girl's number? <laughs> no, no, I, I already. She was a friend of mine. But oh, okay, because that would be the move. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I remember I, I didn't have a. I remember I didn't have a, a handkerchief moment. I do not carry a handkerchief. I did have a. Uh, was at a party. A girl suddenly didn't feel well. Need to get some fresh air, and I followed behind with my jacket and put it over her shoulders. I was like, yeah. ah, I'm feeling pretty awesome right now. <laughs> And then she vomited all over your jacket. Have have I uh, have I told this story before? No, I was th- I just threw that out there to see if it would stick. Actually, not terribly far from the truth. Uh, this was back in my single days, and I was uh, I was chatting her up pretty hard, and uh, she thought I was kind of went out, put the jacket over her shoulder. She's like, "Oh, that's so sweet." I was like, "Yeah, well, you know." Then she was <laughs> into digging me, and then she's like. Well, I gotta throw up. It's like, what do you mean? And then she threw up on my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I carry a tissue pack. I have a, a Kleenex. I buy the Kleenex tissue packs, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it's true. If you're not near a garbage can, we use one. But I stick it. I keep the tissue pack in one back pocket, and then I just put the used tissue in my other back pocket. And then when I find a garbage can, I just throw it out. I dated a girl in college who her father. Uh, Keeps a handkerchief with him, with him at all times. And I was visiting her family, and it was laundry day, and there he was, like, like pressing his assortment of handkerchiefs. Pressing? Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. He was ironing them and folding them, and uh, it was like, wow, that is a process. I think he had, like, a half dozen. Rory, do you press and iron your handkerchiefs? No, I don't. Far too lazy for that. <laughs> 
How many do you own? Uh, well, actually, um, I had maybe about, uh, about five, but I just acquired some. My uh, grandfather passed away recently, and he had unopened packets of them in a drawer. So I acquired about ten more. I think they were gifts that he never used. So vintage handkerchiefs. No, I don't think they're that old. I think someone oh. <laughs> probably gave them them in the last few years, oh. and he never used them. They were unopened packets. Welcome to the show, folks. Come for the Flash Gordon talk. Stay for the uh, handkerchief discussion. You know what? Anyone who's listened to um, me on a DC Cinematic Minute uh, has heard me talk about ties at great length. So it's a little, <laughs> a little uh, addition to that almost. You're you're a big tie wearer. Yeah, yeah, I wear a tie at work every day, but I've, I have a large collection of ties, over 25 ties. Rory, I am loving talking with you. This is, uh, <laughs> this is a good discussion. We're way off topic, but uh, this yeah. is a good discussion. Back to Flash Gordon Minute. We talked uh, in yesterday's show about some of uh, the wacky motions of the Goggles guys, and we've got another one here in this minute. Uh, they're, they're watching Dalen Zarkov on the big screen, and then at one point, we get a shot of one of the Goggles guys from behind watching them on the screen. And for some reason, again, I don't know if this is Mike Hodges just deciding to do something weird to fill up some time or if it's the actor himself doing something. But one of the Goggles guys raises his hand, lifts his fingers, and then does this very elaborate curl of his fingers into his palm. I have no idea what purpose this serves. I didn't even notice that. He just gave himself a bit of business. Yeah, I, I, I do not know what... I, I don't know what's going on. I just wonder how boring it was for the Goggles guys. They probably just filmed the, the scene forever. Probably took a couple of days. And you're automatons. You don't really... You're not supposed to be quite human, but you're not a robot. And it's like, you know what? I could probably just get away with something. So there was just probably guys seeing what they could get away with. And Hodges, because as uh, stated before... Uh, Hodges has admitted he didn't really know what he was doing. He's like, he could probably get away with a little bit. As long as you do something that was cool and visually interesting, uh, I, I, I bet there was a little bit of leeway given. Yeah. So these guys probably, I don't imagine they can actually see either, sitting there in the dark, probably. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing with, with those, what were probably just decals or stickers stuck on the front of the yeah. goggles. I can't imagine any of them can see anything. Oh, these go- those goggles must have sucked. They probably hated every minute of it. (laughs) They were probably thrilled at the end of the scene where they were able to take them off. Um, Yeah, I wonder... I'm sure a lot of the costume work, a lot of the costuming and a lot of the the props probably weren't real comfortable. Aura's outfits, they were so snug, but then also a lot of them were completely covered her up. She probably just felt like she was in a giant rubber suit most of the time. And, you know, Ming... Oh, and we've talked before about how heavy some of Ming's costumes were. Right. Mm-hmm. Where he, he wasn't able to stand for certain for extended periods of time on occasion because it was just damn heavy. Um, so I, I bet... Yeah, they, they, I bet everyone here is like, you know what, I know it's not going to be invented for uh, a, a, another couple of decades, but I could use some Under Armour here. <laughs> <laughs> just need something for moisture wicking and really light because, you know, this sucks. Yeah, Sam Jones got it easy, didn't he? Not in any of these minutes, but he got the the better costumes of everyone, I think. Yeah, yeah, he. Uh, oh, yeah, especially when he's like, just wear tight slacks and a t-shirt for the first yeah. forty-five minutes of this film, and you'll be fine. He's like, yeah, nice. I'm actually, I'm actually wearing my Flash t-shirt right now. Oh, nice. Yeah. And 
and I'm wearing a Jets jersey over the top of it. Oh, well, that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rory, wait. Yeah, I'm a Jets off. fan. That's, I know that's confusing. Oh, no. Myself, but... Our first actual Jets fan on the show. <laughs> so you're in the UK and you're a Jets fan. How, how did that happen? Well, I was a Knicks fan first. I've always been into basketball. I've, I played basketball in school and everyone. Uh, and I just sort of picked the Knicks at random at one point and stuck with them. Um, the first uh, full game, full NFL game I watched was, oh, I can't remember the year, but the second last time that the Jets were in the conference final against the Patriots. No, sorry, it was the semi-final against the Patriots. And they were the underdog, and because I supported the Knicks, and because they were the underdog, I just decided to, to back the, the Jets for that game, and they won. And since then, just decided I would, they would be my team. Who, whose name and number is on the jersey? It's uh, number six, Mark Sanchez, who was the quarterback of that game. Oh, yeah, we know Sanchez. Yeah. Uh, I'm an Eagles fan. I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan. And Sanchez, when he left the Jets, he came to the Eagles. And it was uh, that weird year where, what was it, uh, uh, Michael Vick left the Eagles and went to the Jets. Yeah. Some interesting talk because Sanchez was viewed as a mediocre quarterback at best. And Vick was viewed as a very, very good quarterback who was uh, injury prone. And the question was who got the best of the deal. And it turns out nobody got really anything out of it because <laughs> yeah. Sanchez was a backup who played a couple of games when the starting quarterback got injured and was fine. And Vic played, I think he played okay, but he got hurt. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know this is being way off course of our uh, show's mandate, but I, <laughs> since, since this came up, um, you know, the NFL for listeners who don't follow football at all, they've, they lately, they have two or three games a year. Uh, in the UK, yeah. Rory, are, are, are I mean, does the UK care about those games? Do yeah. people actually go yeah. to those games? Yeah, yeah, they sell out. When oh, okay. Was, uh, um, okay. Yeah, um, I've never been in. I've been to two of the NBA games that have been here since I'm a bigger basketball fan, uh, and they always sell it as well. The two arena in London. Yeah, I know. There, and there's even been talk of, I want to say the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Going full time to no, the, England. Uh, the Jaguars. Jaguars, the yeah, Jaguars, Jaguars, right? Yeah, right. That they went. That they would move. I think London. that would be crazy. That would be so difficult, especially for like imagine a West Coast team playing an, an away game. Yeah, I, I don't know London. how. Yeah, I don't know the logistics of having a team in in London playing teams in California. I, yeah. I just you know, a couple of times a year is crazy. Oh, it's insane. It, it's it's really a thing where. I understand why they want to do it because the NFL's wanted to expand into Europe forever. I mean, they, yeah. they actually had the NFL Europe for right. right. We had a good team in in Scotland as well, the Claymores. I do remember the yeah, I remember that the Claymores was one of the teams, and um, they desperately want to do it. And the NFL has sort of almost reached a saturation point in the states, where I don't know how much bigger can you get. There's some erosion of viewership, so they would love to get a foothold in other parts of the world, but it would be brutal because when they play those games, I know the teams that have go over, the players often complain about how hard it is to get ready for the next game because that's a lot of travel. Yeah, my uh, my Seahawks are going to be playing one of the London games. Oh yeah, I think uh, I think I'm I have just, a friend I'm, that's good. I'm not happy about it as a fan because it's like, oh, it's going to yeah. screw up their whole season. <laughs> yeah. It's usually the, the East Coast teams that they get it to, but it's, yeah, 
that's why I went to the London NBA games because the Knicks did it uh, twice for the course of three years. But yeah, it did, it did affect them going on after that. The only thing I want to call out is uh, in the original script, um, the, 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 the stuff we've been talking about this week is very different. Um, there's not the, the awesome Dale killing all the pig guards scene. In the original script, Zarkov is being held in a dungeon and Dale finds her way to the dungeon, not without any kind of, you know, fisticuffs or cartwheels or anything like that. And a guard sees her and asks what she's doing there. And the words I'm about to read are exactly how they appeared in the first script. She smiles invitingly, lifts her skirt up above her knee. The legs are long and terrific. She knocks him out. <laughs> it doesn't even say how she knocks him out. No, just, I, the legs are long and terrific. She knocks him out. Honestly, it just sounds like, wow, look at those legs. And he faints. Yeah. <laughs> Been in this dungeon a long time. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. That is amazing. My last note was that uh, Ming does a little jazz hand flourish as he leaves the room. Says, <laughs> at nothing. And does a little little hand move that I like a lot. I don't have much to say about it other than I like it. Well, it fits in with all of his you know, finger wrangling and stuff yeah. that he's always doing. You know, I think this movie's affecting me because uh, with all the finger wrangling. Because uh, when I record... Um, when I edited together the episodes, and uh, I think we've mentioned this before, but folks, basically the way this works is we have excellent guests like Rory, who, uh, you know, they bring entertainment value. We have Eric, who keeps everything rolling along and has uh, just this incredible knowledge. My job is basically to help everything, like, move forward and edit this stuff together. Uh, I think uh, Ming's been a bad judge because whenever, um, whenever I start recording, I rub my hands together, not in an un-Ming-like way and i start hearing that in the recordings because as we start i like i hit the button and i like rub my hands together mingishly and i was like what the hell is that about when i hear it and i was like why oh that's me rubbing my hands together why am i doing it that loud where it's getting picked up by the mic <laughs> oh, suddenly i have a shaved head and a weird goatee <laughs> it just turns out this movie will infect you ah well um Roy, this has been amazing and really fun, and we want to give you one more chance. I know you've been uh, your, your you have your website doghairnetwork.com. Uh, yeah. Talk a little bit about your uh, your podcast. Yeah, sure. Podcast is then it's me and well, I'm usually a guest host talking about uh, something that interests us. Anyway, something usually geeky, just because of who I am and who my guests usually are, but not always. Um, it can be topics like yeah, comic book characters, uh, things from movies, sometimes historical things, then various um, historical things. There's episodes on volcanoes, toilets, pirates. Uh, just sometimes it just veers off into anything, but it's informative and hopefully funny. And uh, you know, it's meant to be um, kind of just a fun, fun look at these these things, and hopefully you learn a bit. Yeah, it's um. Really interesting, and just going through your site and looking at the list of shows you have, and it sort of reminds mm-hmm. me of a uh, Radio Lab, where there's also um, the the Freakonomics guys, where it's just yeah. taking stuff that you're around all the time and you're aware of, and going into the history stuff because you have episodes on Lego, uh, yeah. an episode on toilets, uh, with Ralph uh, Ananzia from uh, Cake Boss. 
Yep, he actually suggested that topic as well. Like, <laughs> he's been on three episodes, and yeah, he gave me a big list of suggestions for topics. One time when I when I tweeted asking for them, uh, so I'm still working my way through his interesting suggestions. So it's just uh, very cool stuff, and I love finding out the sort of the hidden history of of things like that. And uh, yeah, very cool. So we recommend everyone check that out. Um, and, and Rory, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks. Thanks very much. It's been uh, it's been fun. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Rory. So, uh, Erica, where, one last time for the week, uh, where can people find out more about Flash Gordon Minute? Find out more on Facebook by talking with us in the Flash Gordon Minute Listener's Vortex. You can find out on Twitter by talking with us at Flash Gordon Pod. And you can find out more on email, Minute at gmail.com. We ask for, we kindly ask everyone for their ratings and reviews on iTunes. It helps to increase our visibility. And, uh, you know, it's our last episode of the week. Uh, something we don't do, uh, we, we, we try to do every now and again, is uh, give our thanks to the guys at uh, Star Wars Minute. Nobody would be doing it if it wasn't for those guys. They uh, set the trail, and uh, we all uh, crib from them mercilessly. Um, they, they had a, just a great concept, and they've been kind enough to like uh, approve and share with everybody. Um, so we have so many great Minute by Minutes out there. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, I would not be doing this show and would not be having this great time and meeting a fantastic guest like Rory if it wasn't for Eric. Uh, Eric, this was your brainchild. And uh, thank you so much for letting me join you on this journey. Oh, well, you're, I, I, I thank you for coming along with me to the planet Mongo. <laughs> oh, God, that's <laughs> what we're going to start saying now. So, uh, yeah, it's been another fun week. Um, but, you know, Eric, I'm, uh, I'm just a little disappointed in myself. Oh, come on. Don't get down on yourself. It's, it's just hard because uh, recently, uh, as we talked about yesterday, with the when they, they've been, as we're recording, they just announced the renewals and of TV shows and cancellations. And I felt really guilty because they canceled Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And, uh, and I watched that show and I would say, it was like, oh, it's a funny show on TV. You know, it's okay because it got picked up by another network. But really, Eric, I think it was my fault because I stopped watching it. And I gave up on it. And there's nothing wrong with the show, but what's wrong with me? Why can't I commit to a TV show? Well, I wish I could help you because I've seen every single episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I have not given up on Officer Peralta and Captain Holt. So uh, you've got some major problems, my friend. And now that you've made your co-host angry, I have just this to say. You better hope Flash saves every one of us. (laughs) (laughs) Join us next week as we witness the strange Arborian ritual with Jack from the Deep Space Nine podcast reopening the wormhole. Incredible adventures await you here on Flash. Ah, Gordon Minute.